0: Clinical Lab Chat, part of the Medcore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Sean Weirsbowski about best practices in recruitment and retention of laboratory technicians. Now, as the founder and lead recruiter for Intro, Sean helps place laboratory technicians throughout the country, um, and I think his aim is for the world as well. Uh, this experience has given him uh, unique insights into what it takes to attract and keep top talent, which he'll be sharing with us today. So, Sean, welcome. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Also, if there's one challenge that isn't an easy fix, I think it's recruitment and retention. I, and we've, we've talked about this in, in a couple different uh, venues, uh, and uh, I've spoke with others about this, so I don't think it's, uh, it's a big surprise. Uh, and I know that's one of the areas that you, uh, Sean, and other laboratory recruits put your finger on as a big culprit, of uh, is the lack of training programs now and you've talked about that recently at the recent uh, COLA uh, conference we we spoke about that and Andy and I spoke about that uh, uh, in a previous uh, uh, podcast and uh, I just want to know is that really the core problem we're facing and if so why aren't we fixing it?
1: Yeah that's a good question Chris and thanks for having me I think that Really, what I noticed when I started, right when COVID started, was that, you know, there was a shortage, but with all these new labs opening up and hiring medical technologists, it just really, really um, extended the crisis even more. Right. And I do think training programs are, are part of it, because, you know, when I was in high school, even college, I never even heard of medical technology programs. My three sisters are nurses, and not once did a medical technology program even come across the radar. So I think that's a, a big problem. I know in my home state of Maryland, there's only about four different programs that do this with about average classes. So that's definitely part of the problem. Yeah.
0: Okay. And and why aren't we fix why aren't we fixing this then? You know, if this is a problem. If you you're not the only person who's speaking about that at at the Cola conference. Uh, and I, you know, it's come up in other studies, et cetera. Why aren't we fixing this? Why aren't we, you know, uh, if there's a need in the market, uh, you know, we live in that kind of, uh, kind of, uh, world. Why aren't we, uh, why aren't we fixing it? Do, I mean, is, do you see any, are there some practical issues? Is there, is it political, uh, what, what's going on? What's going, is there no will? What,
1: what's going on here? That's a good question. So from the education perspective, I am not too sure, um, I I don't know what goes into actually creating a new program if they're trying to make money off of it, but one thing I have seen is labs kind of take this into their own hands and have their own training programs where they train bio grads and chemistry grads. And it's certainly not a, hey, we're going to throw them into the fire and treat them the same as lab technologists. They actually have, like, step year one, this is what you're doing, year two, this is what you're doing, and come year three, you're actually... A lab technologist, and and these labs have have seen success with this. the The biggest thing though is if you lose someone after two years, all that training was for nothing. And so that that's one of the flaws yeah. in that.
0: All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of recruitment. I know that's, that's kind of your uh, that's that's your bread and butter. Uh, so uh, we've talked a little, again. You and I have talked a little bit about this. I've talked to other other people uh, about this. I've written about this in in CLP. Um, what are some of the best practices that you use? And I know one thing you do, and I think this is a big trend, not only in, for what you're doing, but across the board is, uh, you list the salary range, uh, in, in the advertisement or the posting. So what are some of the other best practices beyond just listing, you know, the salary? Yeah.
1: I mean, salary is, it saves a lot of time, right? I just had a a client who lost someone at the, not through me, but on internal candidate, lost them at the end of the interview process because salary expectations didn't line up. So you, you got to be transparent about that on the front end. Um, one thing that for me is, you know, when I got into recruiting, it was, hey, make 50 phone calls a day to, to people and 10 of them will pick up and maybe one person will be actually be looking for a role. Um, I think that Nat, that, that doesn't work as well in the lab field. I think it's really important to have a digital presence um, because, you know, they're constantly getting recruited that way. Mm-hmm. So for me, about 90% of my placements come from LinkedIn and the content I put out. And I've seen some laboratory managers and directors oh, wow. actually start posting about their own lab on LinkedIn and why they like it, just little videos. And oh my gosh, it's made such a difference with inbound candidates. Right,
0: right so, so uh, are there any other best practices in terms of I, I know uh, I think you spoke you or someone else at the Cola conference spoke about this. I've read about this in, in other contexts where you have these processes, and I know you have a fairly fast the way you your your system works or the way you work with labs, it's pretty it's pretty quick. I mean you're not doing a four month let's spend four months interviewing this this uh, candidate eight times. You're doing it relatively. If I recall, you you do it relatively quickly. And what kind of advantages do you have? Yeah. There?
1: So I mean, I can't tell you how many people that have accepted roles who just said, you know, hey, this this was actually you guys were the quickest, and you gave me what I wanted, and and yeah. they move forward with it. So I mean, our interview process here, yeah, is typically one. Uh, zoom kind of phone call just to screen for skills and then within 48 hours getting them in person followed by an offer same day um, is that always going to work no but I'd rather have an offer out there with a a five-day deadline than put the pressure on everyone else
0: yeah yeah well and the other thing too and and I have known people who have hired people uh, over the years and uh, particularly say on the government side and it can take six months, and you know they finally, at six months, they say, "Okay, I'm going to hire you." And that person goes back. Well, that's great. I've been working at this other job for three months. So, uh, I mean, you know, not that doesn't necessarily happen. Say in a more of a private uh, lab situation, but particularly these days, uh, you know, uh, when a lot the lab technicians are, are diamonds. You know, you're you're not they're not just out there. Uh, you're having to search for them, particularly good ones. I mean, so that's the other thing. I mean, it's it's a question of you can find somebody, but you need to find somebody good to uh, fill that role for sure. So, um, it, it, you know, one thing you, you you touched on, which I, I think is uh, is really interesting, is uh, and and you, you talked a lot. Of, you've talked a lot about this a few times that we've spoken that. Uh, This idea that really how the lab is presenting itself, and and you just mentioned LinkedIn, the the lab uh, manager uh, sending, you know, uh, putting stuff on LinkedIn, you know, we're a great place to work, um, etc. So, how do you, you know, how do you, you know, certainly you can have that perception. So, certainly you want to have a perception that you're good, but also, how do you develop? A good work, a good work environment—that's reality. That you're going to retain someone because it's one thing to get somebody in the door; it's another thing to keep them. And that is, you know, if if there's a big, big, uh, big cost center for labs or anyone, any employer, it's turnover. You know, you have to spend a lot of time recruiting, hiring someone like you, uh, etc. So, what are what are some of the retention? Let's talk about maybe some retention strategies uh,
1: as well. Yeah, and. So big thing with retention, Chris and we talked about this, but um, we ran a study. Um, we got three hundred sixty-five people to respond. Was lab technologist was, hey, what was your biggest motivation for leaving your last role? All right, and so sixty-five percent right. said pay, fifteen percent said advancement, and twenty percent said understaffing. And wow. you know, I think you talked about being perceived as a good place to work and actually being a good place to work. I think if you're one way to see if you're actually a good place to, to work is look at your retention and specifically, why are people leaving? Um, you certainly, I've seen in, in my markets that you don't have to pay the highest. You don't have to be 20% higher than everyone else. Um, you just have to be in the, in the top percentile, right? And so if you can stop right. losing people over pay, then that's going to make a big difference. Right, right. And and also you know one one of the things
0: certainly with COVID and and you know, now we have a few other seems like we have another possibly emerging pandemic and and certainly a lot of labs were really slammed they were understaffed they were slammed uh, etc uh, with um, uh, workloads you know so you know pay pay and workload so. Uh, I won't go the whole story, but you and I talked about a story I I heard uh, about someone who worked uh, uh, extra hours over a whole summer, and at the end of it netted out like three hundred dollars. You yeah, know, when when they were working like almost <laughs> double shift and. And um, certainly the first thing she told uh, everyone, because the person I heard it from did not do this, uh, but when she told her about it, uh, certainly that was the first thing she told everyone when she got the check was, I didn't get paid, I worked all these extra hours, basically missed out on, on you know any sort of relaxation in the summer, thinking that I was going to have this big bonus uh, wad of cash at the end, and now I don't have anything, so... Uh, you know there there there's there's that but there's also the, the whole workload sort of thing to recognize i mean it kind of goes hand in hand doesn't it i mean in terms of you know workload uh, work-life balance you know uh, that we talked a lot about these days and uh, and in terms of yeah, just, just having a place that, you you know, it doesn't feel like you're on either on a treadmill or you're walking into a a prison or, you know, I don't know, you're chained to their bench, whatever you want to put it, uh, that, uh, that you want to have a a workplace that, yeah, I have to work hard, but I'm getting compensated properly and it's not destroying my soul. I mean, is it, you know, and how do you, again, you, you can put all sorts of pictures up on, you know, the Donut Friday or something on LinkedIn, but how do you, Turn, turn that perception into reality. I mean, what are some of the, I mean, are there some things that you've worked with? Certainly you're working with, it sounds like one of the big things you have to work with is with pay. I mean, with compensation with with your clients. But is there other other areas that you're based on this this uh, survey that you work with your clients a little bit and say, hey, this is what we got in the survey. It's 300 some odd uh, laboratory technicians got back to us. That's kind of a lot. And uh, this is—they're all saying the same thing. So, what what are you telling? What would you tell a lab if I was a lab manager and came to you and say, "Okay, what do I do?" That, yeah, you know, okay, I can offer more money, but how? What, what else do I? What else do I need to do to increase and help retention in that regard? And, and based on that, 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 those responses.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. I think one trend that I'm starting to see a little bit is, you know, like you talked about, people wanting to be compensated for the extra work they're doing. And one way to do that right. was to, to be a travel tech, right? And I think traveling as a medical right. technologist is is awesome. It helps labs that really need help. And yeah, you know they, they make a lot of money, but they deserve it because they're typically working in the busiest parts of the lab. But I think we're starting to transition to this kind of work-life balance part of a lot of these people's careers. And one thing I'll tell the uh, managers if we're having trouble filling a role is, you know, hey, you got this role, it's Monday through Friday. What if we did four tens? Right? Cause I've had right. people take the same pay or even a little less, right, to work four tens. And right. you know, I think that is definitely something labs need to be looking at is, hey, you know, where where can we kind of consolidate the schedules? Cause that'll help with the traction a lot. And I think a lot of these travelers talking to them are they're definitely burned out. They're making good money, right? But they're at the point where, you know, hey, I can't do this forever. You know, I'm starting to get a family or I want to settle down. And I think work-life balance is going to be more important for them. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: you know, one of the things that, you know, recruiting is important, retention's important. Getting you know, we talked a little bit at the front end of our our our, our this this podcast a little bit about um uh, programs but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know one thing is how do we get how do we get young people interested in this i mean i know and lab technicians are not the only people we've heard it trucking industry nurses years nursing uh there's certain types of doctors who aren't available uh there aren't enough of uh, there's all sorts of um uh, of uh, problems filling certain types of jobs. So how do we, and you mentioned, you never heard about this. You have three sisters who are all nurses, and uh, Mm -hmm. I come from a medical uh, family. Uh, My mom was a nurse, and uh, so I know about nursing. I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really know about laboratory technicians per se uh, up until I became a medical journalist years ago. But how do we get young people in high school And does it start in high school or does it start earlier to get kids interested in scientific, scientific careers? And how do we do it? How do we do it? When, when do we start and how do we do it?
1: I wish, I wish I knew those answers. It's, you know, in the recruiting world, it's hard to be focused on, you know, how uh, I'll give you an example, right? So for me, we've had a lot of trouble filling roles. And so we've actually resorted to international recruitment from the Philippines. And some texts kind of give us um, that give. They're like, "Hey, why are you doing that? It's discouraging people getting into the field." But it's so hard from the recruiting part because our job is to fill roles. Our job is not so much to you know how do we get people set up to go into this in three years. And I've talked to some programs like medical technology programs, and they seem to, to have full enrollment. Um, the problem is, it's just that there's not enough programs. Um, but I have to imagine starts in high school. Right. What, what do you think?
0: I I think high school. I mean, giving that as an option for sure. Uh, but I also think maybe at the even younger. Uh, you know, there was a uh, there's a a lab uh, test uh, lab company or medical testing company that worked with Legos and put together this really fun sort of thing for kids and i think it was i think it was terrific i mean we're not going to have you know i don't think we're going to have a plethora of of kids necessarily wanting to become lab technicians but um i think that maybe it'll steer more kids to uh to that or at least thinking about it and uh maybe that'll open it up i i also like your you know kind of your uh uh i i think there's a lot of kid, young people who go into you know the life sciences the bio, biology chemistry etc and you know then then what do they do you know, do they become pharmaceutical reps or do they i don't know get into some 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 something else that's related um you know what you were talking about earlier having the labs kind of step in and training people and maybe having contracts you know you we train you for a year you have to sign a contract for five years or something or you know we'll send you to school or something i don't know i think there are a lot of different ways to do um to recruit and and that would be another recruitment you know option you know if, if i was getting out of college and I really didn't know what to do and and someone approached me and said hey we're this you know this laboratory thing you know about biology and chemistry uh we'll we'll pay to train and all you have to do is give us five years that might be uh that might be particularly if it's in a nice part of the world like where you live in Maryland uh that might not be a, a bad uh a bad uh option for them so I I think um Sooner rather than later. I, I think it's, what's so interesting is that you know we really have gotten away from you know uh, you know I know when my parents were growing up science, science it was science 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 and we're, we've gotten away from that. So uh, maybe maybe we just need to as a culture we maybe need to get back to it, particularly in, in light of uh, the pandemic. So I, yeah, I hope so. I mean now maybe we'll maybe the a silver lining, and I hate to even say this, but maybe a silver lining with the pandemic. Uh, they'll help you as well is is that more uh young people will be interested in getting into uh into the field and uh seeing this as an option and i think that's that's the thing i think a, a lot of times sometimes uh no not to disparage anyone who has a loved one who has who is a high school guidance counselor but sometimes they uh they don't give you all the options that you can that you can uh, uh can follow so I think that's some of it, and you talked a little bit about international recruiting. I think that's a, a new er, an area for you. We, we talked a little bit about that. I think another thing is is um, also how people are how these these uh, professions are perceived as well. I mean, it's on the flip side.
1: How, Migrant, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, and you said like in the Philip Philippines, the, the country where you've been doing a lot of work uh, recruiting it's seen as a very good a good job, a good way to make a living, and a, and a real step up to you know really help your family and, and, and build wealth and, and that sort of thing as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Um, and I think one thing, too, like I was a biology major in, in yeah. college, and a lot of people, including me, I got in the bio just because you right. like science. You don't really know what you're going right. to do with it. And I think if people... You know people can see the money in the lab field right I know coming out of college in bio I was hoping to make 30 40 grand a year right but the fact is that you know I know it's different in every area but it kind of around me you know bio um, med tech grads can come out making 60 70 75,000 a year and I think if you start to show people that it's like wow this is actually this is actually a really good career. And just because you start in the lab doesn't mean you don't have to stay in your in the lab forever. I mean, you can, there's so many avenues in laboratory oh, yeah. medicine. It's, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think if someone told me I was in college, or I, so many bio majors are lost. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're third and fourth year, they're like, what am I going to do with this degree? Exactly. Right? Exactly. So if someone can talk to them, their freshman or sophomore year, I think makes a
0: huge Yeah, for sure. I think that's the I think that's the other thing is that you go in, you know, you have to make this decision when you're eighteen years old. What am I gonna do with my life? I'm gonna go into I like, as you said, I like science, why don't I, I'll just do biology? Well what are you gonna do with it? I'll figure it out in four years. Um, and it, it it if that was an option, you know if that's an option either to you know go for a little extra training you know through that school or, or or go into a different program a slightly different program or if the if there are labs that work with that school to come in and and uh grab up those those lost biology majors um it just sounds like a really great way to at least recruit to have that initial recruitment and and uh do that i know um i know uh uh, there's, uh, in terms of like the training uh, program you're talking about, I know of uh, at least one, um, uh, just completely unrelated, but I know of at least one trucking company, uh, you know, manufacturer that they bring in young people and teach them how to be diesel mechanics, and all they have to do is sign a contract for five years, and they get paid good money, and um, and uh, you know why why can't we use a, a similar, this, that's a model that you can use. And, uh, and not only the money, but it's also, I think the other thing too is, is it a fulfilling career? And I think that, you know, I think all of our readers at CLP and, and uh, various conferences you go to and the people you work with would say, yeah, it's a fulfilling career. And look at the pandemic, all the important uh you know, thank god for the labs because we'd still be in a big mess if we didn't have people uh administering tests running tests developing tests you know that's a whole nother area you can you can develop tests and do real science and research and well, there's so much as you said there's so much you can do and just starting at that bench can lead on to such a, a really interesting uh career and, and set of experiences so i think that uh yeah, you know, I think that uh, I don't know if we've answered any questions uh, today, but I think we've we've raised a lot of a uh, lot of questions uh, that c- can be answered, and I think we've talked through some interesting scenarios. Uh, and then with that, I think we've reached. The, unfortunately, we reached our end of our time, and um, but I don't think our discussion. So, Sean, I I hope that maybe uh, you can come back. Uh, Uh, Maybe sometime in the near future, and we can talk through this a little bit more. We can have some more uh, insights and what we're hearing and and your experiences in in the field. Uh, And I think this really is the biggest challenge facing laboratories today. You've also given us some good uh, tips for some good practical tips for recruiting and retaining our staff. So I uh, thank you for that. Uh, I also want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, look for more episodes of uh, Clinical Lab Chat in the future, and visit us online at CLPMag.com and of course on all the major social media platforms. So until next time. <music>